Speaking of women, I'm not quite sure how Sam's still getting away with having Gilly knocking about. I absolutely love that what Sam's rebellions look like are greater learning, pursuing a pleasant and stable monogamous home, and repaying a debt hopelessly and at great personal risk. And it's glorious. We then cut to Cersei in King's Landing. She's got the propaganda machine humming here. She's going on about the Dothraki and, you know, how they're going to pull down all your houses and kill all your women. I want to know where all these friggin' horses are on Dragonstone, Matt. Hello and welcome to Shark Liver Oil. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. And this week, we are looking after the second episode of uh, Season 7 of Game of Thrones called Stormborn. Hey. And I suppose we need to start with a little confession. We did say that we'd get this one out sort of before the next episode. I think the episode is pretty much airing, episode three is airing as we're recording this, so we're almost <laughs> up to date. Um, but it does mean we, we're going to be going through episode two having absolutely no knowledge of what's coming next, because I assume, Dave, you haven't seen episode three yet either. I have not seen episode three, no. Okay, so all the timelines are aligning, much like you've seen, <laughs> if you've seen Dunkirk, which has been on. It's all coming together. Absolutely. And here we go. So, um, if you're coming to us the first time, as uh, rather, you know, it's quite straightforward what we do at the moment. We normally do books, but because Game of Thrones still doesn't have the latest book out, we're doing the series. <laughs> um, so we're going to go through episode two, and uh, let's just uh, have a chat about what we thought of it. And uh, go from there. So, Dave, shall I just get straight into it? Yeah, absolutely. So we open. After it's not no cold open this time, we just have the credits and then in we go. We're on Dragonstone. It's crap. It's stormy. <laughs> it's miserable. Daenerys <laughs> is like, I've come all this way for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much the my uh, Welsh caravan holiday of <laughs> coups, isn't it, this? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much Dragonstone as we saw it um, in seasons past when Stannis was on it. Because if you remember last week, uh, it was actually looked quite nice. There was some nice big tracking shots of it. The weather was decent. No, no, we're right yeah. back to sort of Stannis-style weather now. Um, <laughs> That's the best way of summing up shit weather. <laughs> it's all gone a bit Stannis Baratheon. <laughs> Yeah, and Daenerys is looking out like, "Oh, this is crap. Um, let's let's get. We've got to get cracking because I, I can't be sitting here for much longer. This is rubbish." Um, you know, she, she 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 was in Carth for a while. And that was really nice. You know, she's seen some nice parts of the world, and was some it, some horrendous parts as well. But so. <laughs> I was gonna say, can we really describe really any of Daenerys' experience in Essos as having been quite nice? Did I miss the episode <laughs> where she just kicked back on the beach with a with a John Grisham and just let it happen to her? <laughs> I thought Carth was not, well. I'm not sure if I'm getting confused with the books. Then, and certainly in the books, <laughs> Carth's like the, like the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It's really like she gets off oh, that desert. Yeah. It's like oh, it's amazing, and she's sitting yeah. eating uh, persimmons, <laughs> like just loving it, like it's oh, an yeah. amazing holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. you are right. You, are, I forgot George. George was merciful to his character there and gave her a nice little beach holiday. Yeah, briefly. <laughs> <laughs> briefly. Um, so she, she's talking about what she's going to do. You know, we, we get a bit more of the plan a bit later on, but um, it's just worth noting at this point where Daenerys is talking about how she's going to take the Seven Kingdoms, and she suggests using her dragons. And Tyrion says, "You know, you don't want to be Queen of the Ashes." 
Um, yeah. Let's try and find a, a better way to do it. Um, she then yeah. questions Varys. Um, she kind of turns on him quite quickly and just basically... Varys has basically just arrived in her team, if you like, fairly recently. He's set up this yeah. alliance with Dawn. Um, yeah. And that's all she really knows of him. And she knows that he served Robert Baratheon and served, obviously, her uh, father before that. And she's also aware that he did um, all of the hits on her when in series one <laughs> to try to get her assassinated. And I wonder yeah. if she was actually been in the room when this happened. Um, I had some way of knowing exactly how it went down if she, if Varys might not have gotten, gotten away with it here because he basically argued to kill her, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, openly made the argument to kill her. And um, I, I thought this bit was just brilliant. Yeah. Like... This first of all, because we barely saw Varys last season, right? Yeah. And Varys is this really fascinating character who's kind of slippery and slimy, um, but also has this undercurrent of humanity in him. Mm. Um, and um, and I thought this was a great way of reintroducing that that character. Just mm. just this fantastic interaction between you know kind of you know unstoppable force immovable object you know Daenerys's hard-won queenship which she also displays on many other occasions through this episode and then Varys's absolute ability to literally ride any wave like you could you could send him into the side of a block of flats and he'd be like sweet 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 and just surf up over that um and he's great yeah yeah so we just about get somewhere because there's a Daenerys is basically deciding whether to keep him around or dispose of him effectively and yeah. he's um, he's arguing effectively for his life. It's interesting. I thought that a lot of this hinges on this decision to try to try to kill her back in season one. Um, mm. When I was just thinking, remember, think back to that. And of all the people in that council, there's only Var- Varys and Littlefinger. The only two who are still alive. Everybody else is dead. <laughs> he had Renly, right. Roberts. Who else was there? Ned, obviously. Pycelle, yeah. um, yeah. Sir they're all yeah, they're all gone. So there aren't many people who could even bear witness to what happened there. But yeah, Varys just about um, escapes with his life by saying, "I've all I've always done what's best for the people, rather yeah. than rather than the rulers." J- just about tracks that, doesn't it? Apart, the, only, <laughs> the only thing with that is the kind of when he was working to get. The like Viserys onto the throne. It's like, and then Daenerys says this. He's like, would he have been a good king, really? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and it's a solid argument, isn't it? It's like because I'd always had him marked down as a sort of as a Targaryen loyalist, really. Yeah, and you yeah, know, I thought too. he was playing playing the long game, sort of inside the Baratheon court. Um, but I thought the argument he made here was actually very strong, which is obviously a testament to how strong the script writing is and how strong the acting is. That mm. I'm I'm going along with this argument that he makes, um, but it does have the ring of truth to it because of what we know about his past. And at yeah. this point, I'm screwed because I can't remember whether I know this from the books or the TV series. But in the books, it's fairly graphic, sort of what his childhood was. And yeah. does he do that? Does he do that speech in the TV series as well, where he's talking about what actually happened and how he became a eunuch and all of that? Yeah, he does. He does I think that's just before Blackwater, way back in season two, where he does. Um, he says, "Is yeah, it bloody yeah, hell?" Because um, it's, it's yeah, he says to Tyrion just before the battle. You know, this is. Oh no, maybe he did. Maybe he nearly says it then, and then he does a bit later on. But anyway, yeah, there is yeah, a scene yeah, where yeah. he talks about how he was cut, right? As he says, 
Yeah, exactly. And it's horrifying. And it is absolutely about the abuse of power. And um, and it's, I mean, you could kind of argue, I think you might want to get a little bit alongside, you know, what perpetuating existing power structures really does to people, Varys. You know, I could do with him reading a bit more Gandhi <laughs> um, before he goes, I did all of it for the people. A yeah. um, lot of shady shit has been done by people as bad as Varys in the name of the people, which has benefited the people not the slightest bit in the course of human history. But as an argument, as a character piece, it made an enormous amount of sense to me. And I mm. really I really liked it because you could be forgiven. And the thing that, that like hums behind this whole scene is, and they even almost say it at one point, is, you know, like, who have you served? And at that mm. point, the argument that's been made and everything you've seen of Varys, you almost complete the line. You almost go, well, himself, obviously. Mm. And it's interesting that Varys, of all these incredibly self-interested, self-serving wankers, you know, of which the Baratheon court was full, but certainly not exclusively monopolizing, um, of all of them, he's the one who actually goes, no, you know, th this was for somebody else. And he seals mm. the deal by saying, if you don't think I should do that, then kill me. Because that's yeah. the last thing that Littlefinger would say. Little the last thing Littlefinger would say, then kill me. But he would say it having <laughs> already moved all the pieces so that you definitely didn't want to kill him right now. Yeah. Whereas Varys is literally, he's a man in a, in, 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 in a, in a, cape you know what i mean he's whatever that thing is that he wears he's there in a robe he's a man just standing there going right well you could kill me and you know if you disagree with me then you should yeah and it's a subtly different approach to power because it has a principle yeah little finger and we'll come on to this later little finger flipping loves his lo loves who he loves and serves his own selfish desires all the time mm. yeah um whereas varis reveals himself to have this different undercurrent and it's great and i love that the queen comes back and actually holds him to it and goes actually this is going to make me a better queen this is how i become a better queen if you see me screwing things up don't plot against me fucking tell me yeah. and i love i love that that actually then becomes quite a strong contract between the two of them yeah yeah there's always been this parallel between Varys and littlefinger haven't they about the very yeah. similar characters but very clear like differences as well and there is an interesting parallel here with the way Varys effectively throws himself on Daenerys's mercy and the way that Lysma yeah. Finger did that last season with Sansa where he meets her on his own with no guards and yeah. it's just her and Brienne and he he basically says there if you you know if you want Brienne can kill me now and you're always yeah. wondering there has he got something up his sleeve but it, it could be the case that that is his that is the that is the person he is really is really serving. Is there any, I don't know. Like having, I, said I, that, having said that, see, I mean the, the the thing is with Sansa, he, he sort of drops her in it with with Ramsay, didn't he? So I think yeah. there's, there's very much. A, you're right. There is very much a more self-serving element to Littlefinger than there is to Varys, but they're very similar yeah. in the way they go about the uh, business. Yes, um, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melisandre turns up. She's like, <laughs> she's like, hey, I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I, I, ju I, I just love how well they scripted because nobody there has actually seen exactly how appalling she was in the Baratheon court I don't think in Stanith yeah. Baratheon's court but and, you know everybody's acting out this oh yeah who are you then you know yeah. what I mean it's not like everybody's like I am actually fascinated to hear about the red god please come in take the weight <laughs> off your feet you know nobody does that they're like they're like yeah and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Varys is the most openly hostile, but 
Daenerys sort of chips in and says, look, we're pardoning people who served the wrong king today, so good news for you. Um, <laughs> in your place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Melisandre does some, um, well, it's Missende really, does some um, little, like, grammatical sort of sleight of hand here where the, the prince that was promised suddenly becomes the prince or princess that was promised. Um, <laughs> I, I tell you what, it takes balls to write a dramatic moment around uh, around a, a linguistic and grammatical nuance in translation, yeah. isn't it? Like, I can't remember the last time that was done nearly so effectively on screen. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I think you'll find if you look in the dictionary over here, it's ungendered, so everything's <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's like actor. Don't worry about it. So, um, <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so yeah, so that's that. It's not comedian. Um, they wouldn't call you a comedian, <laughs> would they? <laughs> um, and then this uh, Melisandre suggests she says, you know, you you've got a part to play to Daenerys in the way she does, um, and John does too. And you guys should mm. really ally. And Daenerys is like to Tyrion, what do you make of this? Because he's met John. There's a lot yeah. of this throughout this episode where each different sides are sizing each other up and weighing up offers yeah. and counter-offers. I find Very it really much, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Tyrion sort of vouches for John and says, you know, he, he came across okay. Maybe you should maybe you should ally. So Daenerys says, send a message to him. Get him to come over here and, um, and bend the knee and then we'll talk. Not sure how well that's going to go. But, um, <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, particularly bend the knee as a as a proposition to somebody calling yourself the king in the north is like, <laughs> I I think you may need to know the context, the hinterland of that particular request to those particular people. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, um, I thought this set up really well what the tension is going to be, like all of this, uh, all of the like the different thrones kind of position. And the the challenge, which is brought out really well later on, where John basically is is given a he's going to be given a choice between after a life of astonishing suffering and self sacrifice, mm. he is going to he he needs to now come and sacrifice his kingship as well. He's already sacrificed his lordship of the Night's Watch. He's already sacrificed his life once. Mm. He's sacrificed you know the chance of love. He's sacrificed everybody he's related to. He's sac- he's killed the boy. You know like he's he's you know he's become the man and and even now at this moment of enormous strength he still has to go and fight and and sacrifice something else because Mm -hmm. he has to give up his kingship in order to keep his eyes on the prize of keeping the keeping the knight's king out yeah so Tyrion writes this letter and then we cut to Winterfell now bear what you've just said in mind okay as we go through this scene where between Davos and Jon we get the contents of the letter which basically says I want you to come down to Dragonstone. There's a possible alliance on the cards. I've got some dragons. Anything missing from that offer, which we may have just talked about? (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't say it. Like, Tyrion doesn't mention that is, you know, you've got to bend the knee. So it's kind of a... It it feels a bit like Tyrion... It doesn't feel like he's trying to get Jon over so they can throw him in prison or anything. But it feels a bit like... You know, like when someone's matchmaking and yeah. leaving out certain things just to get them together yeah. and think, I'll, I'll worry about it once they're together. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll love it once they meet. They'll love it once they meet. Yeah, that is a hell of yeah. a gamble. It is, but what a great example of the power that courtiers have in this kind of situation yeah. where what Tyrion's doing as the only person in the world who knows both of these people yeah. um, is 
and what a great example of you know power at a point like his power is in who he's met and where he is and where he's managed to get to and that sort of thing and that's his value as a courtier um but also his he's gambling that Daenerys is sane enough and that John is honorable enough that when they get in the room they won't resort to a dick measuring contest because if you put mm. two different Westerosi kings or queens or or you know pretenders or whatever in the room two different people for this like if this was like robert baratheon and fucking you know cersei lannister game over you know what i mean like it's yeah. like it would just be like you neil no you neil no you neil draws sword you know yeah and that's the end of it yeah. he's gambling that these two people are reasonable enough to actually talk about it even though they don't go in they don't come out expecting to get what they come in with, if you sort of mean. Yeah, and he's also gambling that, regardless of whether this is ends up being in the best interest of everybody, from Daenerys's character, she's not the kind of character who, who sort of likes or really gets on board with, oh well, you didn't do what I said, but it was for the right reasons. It's normally <laughs> you, you do what I if I expressly tell you to do something, you do it, or if you don't want to, just as she did with yeah. Tavares, if you don't like a decision question me don't go behind my back well that's precisely what Tyrion's just done so yeah yeah although although we we see in a subsequent scene um happen to Daenerys what also happens to Jon last week and this week is what taking counsel often looks like is being publicly contradicted and finding a way to kind of deal with that situation and kind of surf that wave and stay on top Hmm. um so I don't know I feel like I, of all the things that that that, uh, that Tyrion can survive, he can survive Daenerys not getting quite what she was expecting to get if he can offer her something better than that. Yeah, and and I think we saw that last time in the conversation that she had with um, uh, uh, with the Ironborn. Yeah, where you know they go in and it's like kind of who the fuck are you and why the fuck are you here and yeah. goes out being like potential dinner date set up for next week. <laughs> you know, like it's this. You know, it's it's this thing about like she's willing to go with what what's presented to her in order to get further along than she was expecting to get, and yeah. she doesn't have a lot of pride. She has a lot of need to be in charge, but that's different. She doesn't have, you know, she won't cut your head off just for looking at her the wrong way. Hmm. Um, which actually, I think, is the reason why most people respond to her as though she's a good monarch. Yeah, like you know, most of the audience as well are like, yeah, Daenerys is all right because she doesn't; she's not just a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, this might not even be a plot point in the end. It might be that that they have that was with agreement. I, I'd, I'd have just thought t- a, a more Tyrion move would have been quiet word after the big meeting, saying, "Look, let's just leave this part of it out to get him here, and then we'll worry about it once he's here." I'd have thought he'd get her on. Oh, board that's before, true, actually. But it's, yeah, it's, possible that it's possible that he's done that and it was just off camera and we'll find that out next yeah, week. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I just want to, last thing about that letter I want to talk about oh, is yeah. the um, is the great, the fantastic line from the first series, all, all dwarves are bastards to their fathers. Oh, yeah. And that, that kind of moment of closeness between the two of them um, mm. and that, that, which turns out to be hugely important. Um but I love that. Given the the is it? A, I mean, is, is it a fan theory still? Have we actually? Is can we move this into the might actually happen column, where in the books um, there is a theory that Tyrion is a bastard. That Tyrion was uh, sired by a Targaryen, and that's why he's got purple eyes in the book. Mm. Um, and that's also why in the TV series he's been able to touch a dragon. Is it touch a dragon? Whatever it is, without dying. 
Mm. Um, well, he, so he, like, he didn't get attacked by a dragon. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So he he kind of he said, you know, I've always liked dragons, and there's that whole thing about him possibly being a Targaryen by blood. And so I quite liked that as a little callback of like, mm. oh, you know, maybe they are going to carry on doing something with this. Could be, yeah. I mean, this, this I, that's I think that's still one that's completely up in the air with this show. It could go easily go either way. Oh um, yeah, totally. Th- this th- this this chance of that happening. I I kind of get a, I kind of got the feeling that this the way the series is going with sort of stripping back a lot of the extra stuff. I don't know if that's gonna if that's gonna if it's gonna go the same yeah. way. Yeah, but who knows? Yeah, um, no, totally. There are plenty of other things that have been chucked overboard. Lady Stoneheart's never coming back. I've, I've, I've <laughs> reconciled myself to that. No Lady Stoneheart. Um, we then cut to Cersei in King's Landing. She's got the propaganda machine humming here. She's going on about the Dothraki and you know how they're going to pull down all your houses and kill all your women. Probably, um, it's probably more than a grain of truth in that. If we've forgotten, no, yeah, pretty yeah, fair. yeah, legit. <laughs> I um, want to know where all these frigging horses are on Dragonstone, man. That's a question I have. <laughs> yeah. This appears to be a pretty rocky outcrop in the sea. Yeah. How, what I mean, and what do they do with all the horses when they're on board ship? I feel like they've. It's. I, it feels a little bit like. Do you ever play Command and Conquer? The, old, yeah. the 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 strategy game on on PC where yeah. you could like fold up an entire base into a, a lorry basically as if it was a <laughs> fairground ride, drive it across the landscape and press set up and it would suddenly turn into a factory. Yeah. Um, it feels a little bit like that. I don't mind telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, the the the, the, the Cer- this speech is basically to she's trying to get the Tyrells effectively or what who used to follow the Tyrells so all the all the people who live in the is it the reach isn't it which is the rich sort of food producing area of the kingdom which the Tyrells still nominally run but they're all dead apart from Elena um the queen of thorns so she's got Tali uh, Sam's dad um, in front of her who's sort of the next most powerful lord there saying you know you're not really going to follow this mad old lady are you to go and fight with the dothraki and unsullied against your own people you're gonna you got to yeah. side with me um she actually doesn't yeah. do a very good job of convincing him but uh, jamie has to run over and um sort of yeah. fix this tali's main problem is he says you know She's got three dragons, so convince me how you're going to stop that. <laughs> and Ky- and I, love, I love the response. Kyburn just basically goes, we're working on a solution. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's the most, and that's the great thing about Kyburn is that Kyburn manages to be evil, for sure, but evil in that kind of banality of evil, like crap local administrator type evil. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, we're, we're, well, our solution is in, in the works. Um, we're unable to uh, give any more details at this time, but at the appropriate juncture, we will make it available. <laughs> um, it's, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. I love, actually, yeah, of all the things in the world I would never have expected to say, but good old Clive Tarley. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm renaming him now, Clive. <laughs> Clive Tarley. Um <laughs> I actually felt quite warm towards him here. Like he's, yeah. I mean, he's been a complete bastard towards his son, but I do love that he's got the stones to go into a court, you know, which Cersei Lannister has shown over great, that she's she's literally willing to kill hundreds of people to get to, thousands of people to get to. Mm. Um, and she says, so you're with us, yeah? 
And he doesn't in the court, but later to Jamie goes kind of, you know what we don't do? You know the things that we don't do as Tarly's <laughs> traditionally one does not do? And then lists all the shit the Lannisters have done. Yeah. And it's just, I, I sort of love that there's some that the, the Lannister court is now so reduced that, the, you know, the whole Lannister pays his debts thing and the whole we're, we're the wealthiest, we're the biggest, we're the most impressive, the whole Tywin-ness of the situation mm. um, is has, 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 has departed. There's no longer this sheen to the family yeah there's there's just this kind of yeah you're just grubby now you know you're just yeah. because cersei is the figurehead and cersei is is insane you know yeah. she holds it in but she is fundamentally unhinged at a very deep level and so and i, I and i love that that opens the space for people to you know start telling truths i appreciate yeah. that it still feels at the end of this that despite his misgivings and his loyalty to elena it feels like clive's going to um going to break the way of the lannisters what do you think I think um, I think Jamie convinces him with the you know yeah. you could be warden of the south and you yeah, know yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're not really going to fight with these nutters there against us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, and that and he does that because that's how you win an argument against somebody who's just told you that his family are too honourable and more honourable than your family. He says, well, you know, your your primary loyalty then is to your country and your your yeah. king or your queen. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's that's the and there's no coming back from that for somebody like Tali who's painted himself into a rhetorical corner with that one, really. Yeah. Um, I still don't think it's going to work out for him, but yeah. whatever. Do you think this is a bit of a misstep from Varys in that he's assumed just getting Elena on board is going to be enough to secure the entire alliance of all those people in the in the Reach? Um, that's a good question. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention about this part, um, something that I noticed the week before as well, but I forgot to say, uh, Jamie is wearing his Lannister armour, and he was in the week before, and the mountains got this sort of new set of armour. It basically mirrors what Cersei's wearing, but like a guy uh... version of it. Does this mean Cersei's basically just sort of disbanded the Kingsguard now? That doesn't exist anymore. That is, is that an gone? excellent question. Um, I don't know. Kind of it would seem like to it. make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, maybe no, didn't. I mean, this is the problem with the story arc of this length. Is that I'm like, I'm sure Jamie Lannister laid down his white cloak at some point. Something, something, something. Kingsguard, something else. Didn't yeah. he? Did he? Like, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Fair enough. I, I mean, I feel did like he jack it in? yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he, he jacked did. it in at some point, and and that would make that would make a lot more oh, yeah. sense. That that might just mean that they just. There just aren't any named Kingsguard left, so they're just like, well, there's no point showing. Yeah, <laughs> not got time to introduce any more characters. That I mean, be, I do, I do get that. that feeling quite a lot with quite a lot of the episodes in this series. Yeah. Is is sort of, um, uh, yeah. What have we got the time for? Not that. Not that. Definitely not <laughs> that. Yeah, that'd be nice, but under no circumstances. No way. Come on, move yeah. along. Yeah. Yeah, I, I genuinely can't remember whether he actually left the King's Guard or not, but um, I, I didn't think he had up until you just said that. So I'll, I'll off go away and look at it. Um, yeah. Next up, we've got Sam and Sajora, um, and this, you know, <sighs> the Maester whose name I don't think we've got, so I'm just going to call him Maester Broadbent. Ma- um, Maester Jim. <laughs> Maester Jim. Uh, but they're, they're talking about. We get a look at Jorah's, and you said last week. Are we going to see like half lizard man Jorah? And we kind of yeah. do see. We, I you know, it's, half his body's covered in this grayscale now. I thought it was yeah, done quite yeah. well though. Um, it was. It's certainly better than Dennis Hopper in Super Mario <laughs> Brothers the movie. I will yeah. give him that. Yeah, and he's told he's got 
he's got it, at first it doesn't sound that bad it's like he's got 10 to 20 years still to live but he's only got yeah. six months of sanity at the most yeah um, and there's no cure because even the stuff that obviously Shireen got cured yeah um, way back when but she was a little girl um, and they caught yeah. it early um, yeah these are just, just again this arc, arch archmaster the, the Jim Broadbent character is so good at the sort of condescension uh, yeah you know uh, and just I think that there's is a one bit where he, like Sam suggests the Shireen cure and he just sort of turns to him and goes oh have you studied the intricacies of uh, Grace Hill over 20 <laughs> years like, uh, no <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally true but I lo- but the thing I love about the why you hire Jim Broadbent for that role is that he is very good at slamming the door but he he does it in that quite avuncular manner where he's definitely he do, he's not taking any shit and he's not being terribly nice but he's also not cock blocking you for no reason hmm. you know what i mean like he's he's kind of he is also being like no no the best solution is this of course i'm not going to talk about it with you what do you think i am some sort of democrat <laughs> no 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 but he has always got a reason for it you know whereas you know, other people like like if the person in Jim Broadbent's position was the guy who was on the desk when Sam and Gilly arrived at the end of last last season, he'd just be like, sort of, what? No, no, no. Consorted <laughs> with a woman. No talking to you. <laughs> Whereas Broadbent is like, I'm immeasurably more well read than you, so no. <laughs> Speaking of women, I'm not quite sure how Sam's still getting away with having Gilly knocking about because not only are you not supposed to have a have a like be in a relationship if you're training to be a maester, but he's also trained to be a maester for the Night's Watch. We're not supposed to have a relationship. With that. But, uh, he's just, he's just. I tell you what, Sam's just breaking all the rules at the moment. At this, I don't know how long he can last at the Citadel. He is <laughs> off the, the chain, place. Matt. He is off the <laughs> chain. Yeah, he's stealing books. He's as we find out later <laughs> doing operations when he shouldn't be. He's got he's got his his misses on the go as well inside the walls. <laughs> and I love, I absolutely love that what Sam's rebellions look like are as follows: greater learning, right? <laughs> Pursuing a pleasant and stable monogamous home, and repaying a debt hopelessly and at great personal risk felt to somebody who's died but who looked after him well when he was alive those are the three rebellions that sam engages in in the first two se- first two episodes of this season yeah. and it's glorious it's the most buttoned up rebelliousness you ever saw yeah. in your life and it's <laughs> wonderful yeah. wonderful oh yeah and, and getting getting back at dad by stealing his sword as well like, that's, oh that's yeah <laughs> yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant i bet you the thing is about sam is that you still reckon somewhere in his brain he thinks he's afraid he thinks he's a coward and you're mm. like sam mate just turn it up mate just write the list of the things that you have done <laughs> i don't think you need to think of yourself as craven anymore <laughs> oh speaking of family tarly uh, something i forgot to mention in the last scene um when J- jamie comes up to to, to Clive Tarly to uh, to tell him you know to just sort of do his his whole sort of diplomacy thing, and his son's there, dick on, and mm. um, and like he basically almost brushes him off and ignores him, Jamie. But as soon as this guy turns up, dick on, I just thought <laughs> can't get over that name, Matt. Can't yeah, get enough, dick on. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just well, I, I just thought this whole character surely he's a dead man walking this kid he's like he's yeah, just a beard yeah. wide eyed looking quite like you know yeah. quite handsome and like vaguely charming he's I reckon <laughs> uh, if, if he survives beyond episode 4 I'll be surprised 
Absolutely. Uh, you know what? I would usually, for that sort of proclamation, I usually delight in taking a bet, but you are absolutely bang <laughs> on the money. Dick on will be dicked on. There is no doubt about that. Do you, do you, do you want to put a time limit on it? I, I, I'm going to call oh, it for five. Oh, all right, episode four. Um... I mean, given what's gone on in the first two episodes, and given that we've only got seven episodes, I, I'm going to bring it in. I'm going to say episode three. You reckon? Oh, okay, yeah. I yeah. reckon. I, I, but I, I, I but think, I'm the man yeah. who keeps being astonished when I see Sir Davos on screen, so, you know, don't take anything <laughs> yeah. from me. Yeah, we'll see. But surely, I mean, if he makes it out of this season, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think we might just pack it all up and go home. Because no I don't even know what a song anything. of ice and fire is for. <laughs> If minor, good-looking, apparently pleasant characters with slightly comic names make it to the end of a single season, I do not know what this season is about. Yeah. Uh, then cut back to King's Landing. Um, Kyburn's plan becomes revealed. It's just a fucking massive bow and arrow. It's a scorpion. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and he, he shoots a dragon skull with it. Um, Brilliant. i tell you what this felt a bit like. Um He's sort of borrowed quite heavily again here from from uh, from J.R. Tolkien because it feels like yeah. Bard with his massive bow and arrow um, that shoots the dragon in um, in the Hobbit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although it. although in in the Hobbit Bard does it with apparently like a hand drawn bow and arrow, and that is a lot less easy to believe <laughs> yeah. than sort of the R and D department now featuring. <laughs> Carl Drogo and Clive Tarley um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. have come up, come up with you know with their pocket protectors um, have come up with a glorious solution, but it, <laughs> I don't think it quite merits the sort of because the last time we went down into the into the crypt to be shown something of unimaginable military significance, it was wildfire, which as it turns out literally had the capacity to blow the city to pieces. Yeah. And this time, it's just, you just... I'd love it if he tried to, like, play it up a little bit more and go, Your Majesty, we have discovered, we here, we, we few, we glorious few have discovered this, the most important weapon for your entire war. It is a slightly larger crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel quite basic in a world of, yeah, wildfire and bringing enormous monsters back from the dead. That at yeah. this stage of the game, that's the best they can do is, is just a <laughs> big crossbow. But it, it may well do the job. You get the feeling that, you know, because it's been introduced like this, are we going to see a dragon get shot at some point? Feels like. Oh, I mean, without bet. question. Yeah. Or, or at the very, I mean, it's 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 Chekhov's slightly larger crossbow, isn't it? It's <laughs> now on the table. Big crossbow. <laughs> And yeah. we just we're waiting to see whether or not you know that's the moment, isn't it, when the dragons swoop out over King's Landing, and that's when somebody sights along it and goes closer, you son of a bitch, closer. <laughs> that's the moment that we're really going to feel how yeah. um, uh, how significant it is. Yeah, hold, hold. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, we go back to Dragonstone. They're deciding what to do. Um, we've got the whole council here, and what a council it is! You got <laughs> the, the whole gang are here. I did like this sort of stuff, hey? like all these characters who you've seen doing different things in different parts of the world for seasons yeah. and seasons are all now coming together and picking sides. 
Yeah, and and as and as you know, Matt, that has been my that has been my lazy assed complaint about this story universe for a very long time now. Is why are you spinning all these threads out in different <laughs> directions? Why why must you do this? And so the number of times during this episode where threads came together, it just made me feel so good. Yeah. Like the fact that Tyrion and John had a conversation seven years ago. You know that now is matters. That's now significant. Yeah. But this council was something else. It was almost unreal. It yeah. was almost like one of those one of those novelty um, pieces of art that you get, like in the <laughs> Disney shop or whatever, where you've got Snow White meeting Minnie Mouse yeah. standing next to Simba, who's being looked over by Princess Jasmine. You know, it felt to me like you know the All Star Game in baseball, where like all the, yeah. like, the best players come together. <laughs> well, well, the best players is it though? Is it really? Because to me, most it, for honest. <laughs> most well, no, I no, I don't know. Me neither. I'm in no position to cast aspersions on anyone else's understanding of baseball, but this is this really the A team that we see here on Dragonstone? I am <laughs> yeah. not convinced. Most of the people in the room there, I was like, oh, 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 and I'm kind of looking around the room to find people who should be more like who should be imposing you know the kind of people where you go kind of mm. and unfortunately there is something a little bit about many of the characters who were in, put back in the room this time mm. um like um uh the queen of the sand snakes what's her name oh um oh god the power what she calls she's a who's the paramour oh god um yeah, I mean, anyway, me yeah, neither. Yeah, yeah. Sand Snake, yeah, no. woman. Yeah, the one who sold, the one who really, really sold the scream when, um, when the other fellow oh, died. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And um, and the one I always want to call Aya or Osha, and it's neither of those. It it's is Yara from Yara. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but she's called something else in the books, isn't she? Yeah, she's called. I think she's called Asher in the books. There we are. Yeah. All right, I'm not. I'm not a complete idiot. Just mostly one, Um, but like I was just a little bit like so far, all of those characters have I don't know I just there was just something about that council where I was like it felt a little bit cobbled together you know what I mean it felt a little bit like oh good luck Daenerys you know what I mean yeah yeah Um, I suppose uh, yeah some of them have got a bit of a checkered checkered past with their um, how well (laughs) things have gone although I suppose you know. Um, this yeah, the the Sand Snake mum is, is sort of successfully uh, staged a revolution in one of the kingdoms, and um, and and Yara oh. yeah Yara kind of has lost the Iron Islands so um, yeah I, I've, not, I've got not, a lot more time for Yara yes <laughs> yeah that's true but I still have a lot more time for Yara than I have for um uh uh sand snake queen it's awful up. isn't it ladies and gentlemen <laughs> professionalism the shark liver oil way hey if you're gonna if you're, um, gonna if you're gonna do a series of this many characters we're gonna figure out <laughs> one or two of them at some point uh, this Honestly. is so this is so and well yeah but of course the crowning the crowning underwhelmment in the room is theon in the corner there uh, like oh yeah. theon's still alive look at that <laughs> oh well, what a useless bastard! All right, let's see what happens to him. You know, <laughs> yeah. Is it? Is it Alaria? There's so many bloody sands, aren't there? It could, <laughs> it could be. No, she's not actually a sand, though, is she? She's not actually like an illegitimate. I thought she was. Um, but that, that's why she was like. Hang on, if I search for Prince Oberyn, that should. That should bring her up, shouldn't it? See, you can't even find her. 
I'm going to kick myself and, when I find oh, out. Oh, I, I keep I keep forgetting that I'm now allowed to go on a wiki of ice and fire as well. Like so ingrained in me is been the years and years and years of me going nowhere near this thing for 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 uh, fear of spoilers. Um, although I have something to say about spoilers for this at the moment, which I'm really really angry about, and which I will talk about later. Um, but I, I keep forgetting that I'm allowed to go and look. I'm just so so used to sort of avoiding anything to do with the kind of meta world of it. Okay, I found her name. It's by looking on like the sort of the Wikipedia article for Oberyn Martell, and yeah. um, it's brilliant. It says significant other Elaria Sand, and then brackets extramarital sex. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't really... That's the most flipping redundant annotation in the history of popular culture wikis, isn't it? As like, if in Game of Thrones you were going to go through and put brackets extramarital sex against everybody who's had extramarital sex in A Song of Ice and Fire. You've been there all year! I think, I, I think I'm going to just take that as, as her name now. Maybe that's what they're trying to get at. So from now on, she's Hilaria Sand, extramarital sex... <laughs> what, like that like that was her that was her original name <laughs> extramarital sex unbelievable <laughs> who wrote that i don't know anyway Jeez. so so yeah so we, so we got this we got this council um and yara is urging them to hit king's landing straight away um the uh <laughs> extramarital sex uh wants her to release the dragons effectively um yeah Daenerys does. I love this bit. Daenerys says, "Look, I'm, I don't want to be queen of the ashes," and Tyrion mm. does this, this little sort of puppy look up to her, like, "Oh, she's using my phrase. I'm really pleased." Yeah, that's like it's quite sweet. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Elena wants. Uh, most of them are hardliners, to be honest. Tyrion, Tyrion's the only one really calling for a more restrained approach, and um, and Varys doesn't really see either way. But they go with the Tyrion plan, which is going to be sail. Hmm. Don't you know what happens later in the episode? This doesn't go entirely to plan. Um, so no. the Iron Fleet has to go to Sunspear and collect um, the Dornish army, bring them to Westeros. Dornish army lays siege to King's Landing, along with the Tyrell army, which was, we already know is probably gone as well. And yeah. um, and then in the meantime, the Unsullied and Dothraki will attack Casterly Rock. That's quite an exciting prospect as well. It is. Um, yeah. So they, so they go with so Daenerys is going with Tyrion's plan, and then Elena has this little chat with her at the end, Queen of Thorns, saying, um, you know, be yourself, be your own person, and don't listen to Tyrion so much. Mm. The thing is, <sighs> Elena has always been quite a popular character, hasn't she? Yeah. But I'm slowly beginning to like her. She, she's just she's just bitter now. She just wants revenge. She doesn't care what yeah. happens. There. She's she's more than yeah. happy to see a Queen of the Ashes because she just wants to see the world burn now after she lost her daughter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her granddaughter. Yeah. Um Yeah. But also she she did this she was saying, oh um I knew a great deal many, you know, intelligent men and I've outlived them all by not listening to them. <laughs> and that, which is it, it is a good line, but also I, I it's, this struck me as a bit smug on because of two things. One, you know, it's also helped that she's never had to do any of the actual front, like any of the fighting, in any of the wars, and also she's never actually been top top of the tree, if you like, until now. Mm. And yeah. as soon as she's become top of the tree, as we find out, she's lost all her army anyway. 
So I'm yeah. not quite sure uh, whether that. I mean, oh, that's she, an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. She. she I mean, she, she is a formidable political operator, as we know, but mm. at the same time, you know, to 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 suggest that she's outlived people like Tywin by being better than them or more astute. I'm not sure that's really true. I think she's just been quite lucky yeah. that she's not had to make many of the really big decisions. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's the case necessarily. I, I definitely see the argument for it, but I feel like you know, you know, even even a good ruler can have a bad moment and then it's all over, right? But but um, I feel like actually that's a really great example in her of something which I was thinking later on with Arya in a certain scene with Arya, where I was like, she's Elena is optimized for a certain environment. And it's no, it's got nothing to do with steel, and it's nothing to do with swords or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so that means that so you're right. Like she was only she's only suited for winning in a certain very specific context. And yeah. councils of war aren't really where she's at her best. So I think yeah. you're right. I think she is kind of blowing smoke a little bit here by being like, "Well, all you've got to do is not listen. Not listening is magic. Not listening is what made me the person I am today." Mm. It's like yes, that and the phenomenal wealth and power structure to which you were born. Yeah, and over which you had indirect influence. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I I feel like she could perhaps have done better. I'm still. I'm. I'm not entirely off the Elena train, yeah. but um. But I think you're right. Like I think that's bullshit. Basically, I suppose I'm doing her a little bit of a disservice as well because she did effectively run the entire reach through her idiot son um, for, for most of his <laughs> life as well. So. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. But again, it is that like side-on influence thing, isn't it? Mm. Which he's much better suited for, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, we then move on to ah, um, Grey Worm and Miss Endy. Yeah. The, um, the the scene that if this is like it's such a compared to the rest of the episode and probably the series, it's such an unusual scene to see, isn't it? It, ta- it takes yeah. its time. Basically, this is when we finally see Grey Worm and Miss Endy get together properly, as much as obviously you can when <laughs> when Grey right. Worm's a eunuch. Um, yeah, but. But yeah, I I really liked this. I, li- I liked how it was just something a bit different as well to what you, yeah. you they don't normally do romance in the Game of Thrones. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Yes, and it was just it just felt like quite a nice change. There was there was one of the other podcasts I listened to. I thought this was quite funny. Um, he said uh, it was the one thing he, he couldn't quite get on board with at the end um, when uh, Grey Worm basically just like goes down on Miss Endy. And she's yeah. like, and, and and he's sort of immediately amazing at it. And it's like this guy who's never <laughs> even seen a woman naked before. And he's like, <laughs> just calling out how unrealistic that was that he that's, had any idea yeah. what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, that is that is actually very, very true. That is, that is a solid critique of that scene. But um, but I thought, I thought that point you made is really good, actually. When was the last time we saw romance per se? Like it's always been sex as a weapon, hasn't it? Yeah. It's been sex as a sex as a, a means of getting what you want, um, or sex as a means of unwinding, I suppose. Like sex as recreational activity. Yeah. But I think in the book, in the first book, there is a bit where he does a little, where George Martin does a little thing talking about um, how, like, basically how great the sex was that Ned Stark and Catelyn Stark had. Hmm. And again, that was about the closeness of their relationship and their love for one another. And he had to do that in flashback because then you have, um, then they're apart for the rest of their time. And, you know, there has to be this reason that they care about each other. Hmm. Um, But you're right. This is the only time 
that I think we've seen romance, and they have been incredibly sweet so far. Like, I really, I really like what they've done with their arc. And I like this as well, even though it was actually like I, I was thinking the other day before I saw this episode, I was like, oh, do you know what? Do you know what Game of Thrones absolutely wasn't last week? You know what? They, they had the, the self-control to realize they didn't need to do. It was no longer tits and dragons. It was just dragons. And and I, I thought that was to its credit, because I think there have been times in the past where they've gone, well, we're on HBO, so we might as well have it happen. You know what I mean? Um, and I've no objection to a well-mounted sex scene, eh? There you go. Um, but it was just, it's always felt a little bit peremptory or a little bit adolescent, really. Um, so this was definitely a, hey, this is how we can put the breasts back in it. But also, you know, it's it's absolutely true to say that it was funny and touching and sweet and, mm. and everything that a good, like a good characterful sex scene should be. Yeah. And for all those reasons... I'm now very worried that Grey Worm's not making out of this season. Either. Oh yeah, no, he's done. He's done. Like Grey Worm, Grey Worm's over, man. It's it's not happening. Yeah, that was the um, that was the Game of Thrones version of him announcing that he's just three days from retirement. I think. Yeah, so, <laughs> we'll yeah I love that though because in any other kind of media, the thing that you do to get pathos from a character who's about to die is say he's put all of his life's work and effort and love and he's built a family and he's built a relationship and he's built a marriage and he's you know he's a he's a pillar of the community and he's about to go and enjoy it all and then he gets shot in game of thrones it's literally he experienced warmth and human kindness for the first time in his entire existence he is toast (laughs) (laughs) um we then cut back to sam at the library um uh and he's he's sort of still working on this trying to get the this maester to back him on um a plan to to try and save sajora um, this maester apparently is going to write a history of um, this war of the five king, five kings, and what happens afterwards. He's going to call it the Chronicle of the Wars following the death of King Robert the First, and um, and Sam says, "I think you need a snappier title." And I was just bracing myself for someone to go, maybe Game of Thrones. Or, yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh, me please too. Don't. I'm really glad he didn't. Yeah. Say it. Just yeah, like, like you can almost you can feel them getting to that point, can't you? And then having the self control. Actually, it wouldn't astonish me if that wasn't actually recorded on set. If they didn't shoot somebody delivering that line, and then in the edit yeah. they went through and they were like, "No, no, no, absolutely no, it's shit. No, we're not doing it. It's coming out, or yeah. I quit." <laughs> yeah. So um, Sam's found a cure for grayscale, but the Mesa says, "You can't do it. It's too dangerous." And Sam, in his newfound love of being a rebel, thinks, screw this, I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sam, Sam pulls his leather biker cap just down to the side, pulls on the cigarette that he's got going, the little rolly, and just goes, <sighs> No way, old man. Flicks the cigarette in his mouth and takes off. I'm hoping as he has seen next week, where like this Mesa sits him down and is like, Right, stealing books from the library... Operations when I express it how you're not to keeping your 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 wife or your girlfriend or whoever she is a mother of a child which you say is also yours inside. Are you trying to get expelled? Because <laughs> it feels <laughs> like you are. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So he does this operation on the sly. Oh my goodness, what an operation! Jorah's got to basically bite down oh. on something, and Sam is going to effectively flay skin off Um, yeah like one little piece at a time though is the thing right it's not even like 
like you know kind of big strips being pulled off it's like individual scabs yeah oh it's so horrible it was i, I what? felt cringy yeah. watching it oh it's oh. absolutely what a testament to the uh, to the the makeup people yeah that they that they really make you feel this that they make it look like his skin is properly coming off yeah like that's there's a, there's a, that that deserves an award of some description <laughs> there's a really good um uh picture on on twitter which i've which i've retweeted where um, it's got a shot of Sam like working on uh, on Jorah and Jorah like biting down, and then the next uh, the next sort of screenshot below is it's like a big tattoo of Daenerys's face like he's having done <laughs> on his chest. <laughs> Brilliant, fantastic. Um, oh, I, t- I tell you what I loved about this scene was um, there were two things. The first was that at the start of it, Jorah's writing his you know sort of like. You know, condemned, condemned breakfast ate a hearty man letter. Yeah. You know, and the, like, and it starts with the word Khaleesi, and you can just—I just heard him say it. You can just hear him, <laughs> Khaleesi. Um, I'd live for that. But, um, but secondly, it's um, it's the fact that Sam is still himself. You know, he's still—he's doing this incredibly brave thing. But he's, and you know, he clearly impresses Jorah enough that Jorah is quite a battle-hardened guy. Is like, yeah, all right. Like, I believe you're capable of doing this. Um, but just, just how how much Sam is still himself. You know, he's still like, drink the rum, please, all of it. Hang on, give me a give me a swig. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. just brilliant. Like, I just loved. I, I, I know you know Sam Tarly's always supposed to be a sympathetic character. I always found him a little bit difficult to be alongside most mm. of the time. But actually, this this scene was just brilliant for him. Flipping loved it. Mm. Nice callback to his time at the watch as well, where he's doing this because um, of his relationship that he had with the old bear, um, Sir yeah. Jorah's dad, when he was the the boss up at the up at the wall. Yeah. Um, there's a really hilarious cut here, which I thought was great, where um, he's cutting into the grayscale, and then it cuts to this guy like cutting into a pie, and you think <laughs> it's sort of all puss and stuff at first, and it's just the sort of the chicken cream. In, yeah, in oh <laughs> yeah, that that is the second week in a row where the director has gone. Oh, do you know what would be really funny is if we spend a load on like really, really, realistically disgusting special effects and makeup, <laughs> and then we do a cross cut that makes people regret ever eating food <laughs> twice in a row, Matt. Two weeks. I've had to. I've been and both times I've been eating my lunch while I've been watching it as well. <laughs> both times it's been my lunch hour, and I'm like, oh, 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 oh no, no, absolutely not, no. Yeah. So th- this this pie is over at the inn. Um, there's loads of callbacks this this episode actually because this is the inn where it was episode two, the King's Road, way back in the um, the first series where Ned stops oh, yeah. off, and also the one where they you know they drop off hot pie when they're going back up past it. It's the inn where yeah. Tyrion got captured by Catelyn. It's just, there's, so, there's so many things have happened at this place. Yeah. But, um, hot pie yeah, it's just waiting for a whole an array of blue plaques are going up on the wall at this place, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's like you won't be able to move for this is the place where Tyrion Lannister was arrested by Catelyn Stark. This is the place <laughs> where Ned Stark had a piece of pie. You know, like all the way yeah. down. Um, hot pie's still there and I, yes! I sort of like looks in on him. Um, get some yes! bread, get some bread tips. You got to brown the butter while you're making the pies. <laughs> oh, oh, this is a lovely glorious. scene, isn't it, with these two? Oh, bloody wonderful, Matt! And I, I t- the thing that actually did my heart even more good is that I, I occasionally go and read George Martin's blog, and um, 
Uh, and he, obviously he's not very forthcoming about what's happening with the books, but he posted something a little while ago about apparently one of the reasons why The Winds of Winter has been taking its time is that he's also been working on something called, uh, I think, like Fire and Ice or something, um, which is like, he's calling it the the G the G-R-I-M million as in the Silmarillion, like the kind of backstory and stuff. Um, yeah. And one of the things he said in, in, in introduction of this is it's mostly about the Targaryen kings and, you know, such and such a king, such and such a king, you know. Um, but one of the things he actually said in it was, you know, now I know, you know, there's a lot of characters that people want to see, but, you know, there's going to be no resurrections here. There'll be no hot pie. And I just read that and I just felt a bit sad. I just felt a little bit melancholy. Kind of, oh, yeah, I'm never going to see hot pie again. <laughs> never see hot pie. And here he is. He's back. He was brilliant. Glorious. <laughs> yeah. Magnificent, Matt. Did my heart good. I mean, he, he's basically there to to let Arya know that John is now in Winterfell. Mm. Or at this moment in time, he is. Um, and I quite like that again, is just how in this world, this is how information gets passed around. And more often than not, it's through inns. Uh, through word of mouth, yeah. so this is where yeah. you go to get your news, isn't it? A, a, a local yeah. inn. Um, yeah. I decide. I decides to head back. She's like, "Crap! Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go hook up with my uh, with my favourite brother." Then, which I didn't, I didn't gather or I didn't see. Like when when she did that, I thought the whole point was those. There was that other cartload of people leaving, going 200 miles to Winterfell. Yeah. And and then she rides off in the other direction, and I was like, "Fuck you know, like that's." I thought that was a real powerful sort of character moment, where this is Arya basically being overwhelmed by her hatred. You know, this is the point at which her hatred has overwhelmed her love, which is something that we've seen happen for other characters, particularly mm. Cersei, uh, but also Catelyn to a lesser extent. Um, so, um, yeah, like. I, I thought that was a really bleak moment, and I was really affected by it. And then in the next scene, she says, "I'm going to the north," and I was like, oh, "You get looping around a bit first. You're going to go and see the sights before you what?" No, 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 because no, the, the, those guys on the on the carriage say 200 miles to King's Landing. They're they're, they're going south. Do they say King's Landing? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> it's just I'm a name an idiot. thing that you got. Yeah. Essentially, fuck. I was damn. I had a whole moment there, and it was as a result of my inability to pay proper attention. <laughs> I mean, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you did, you you haven't been working as a sort of Westerosi taxi service. Well, to King's Landing, no problem. It's looking pretty Not- cold around here. Yeah, that's because we're getting close to Winterfell. Uh, what? <laughs> I I think I Put speak for both myself and my potential passengers when I say I am delighted not to be in any kind of service industry in Westeros. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe that's what happened. Maybe, um, maybe Gendry jumped in a boat with you, and that's where he's ended up. Yeah, that's where Gendry. <laughs> Where's Gendry Island. at, Matt? Where <laughs> is Gendry? That's um, what I want to know. Um, anyway, uh, next up, we're back at Winterfell. Um, yeah. We're discussing the. Uh, oh, uh, John gets a letter from Sam saying, "Well, this is, this is what he sent in the last episode, saying there's Dragonstone, yeah. there's gl- dragon glass on Dragonstone. Surprise, surprise." Mm. Um, and that sort of tips the balance for John. John's like, right, I'm going to go. That We can't afford not to have this alliance. I'm going to go yeah. to Dragonstone to try and secure it. I'm the only one who can do it. And Sansa's all unhappy about this. In fact, everybody is. Even um, his biggest supporter, uh, Lady Mormont, says, you know, you yeah. should be in the North. Um, 
and in the end he says no I'm going anyway and Sansa's in charge till I get back yeah um, I thought it's quite interesting here um, that he takes he takes to Davos as well I just felt a bit yeah. sorry for Davos he's like oh well, have I ended up being roped into this one <laughs> I've got to go it's got to be me Answer Davos. Wait, what? Me? <laughs> Must I? Are you aware, Your Grace, of how much I have lost? <laughs> like fingers, yeah. if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I did feel a bit sorry for Davos, but for me, you know, Davos, Davos, you know, his his days were numbered last time. You know, <laughs> his days were numbered at uh, the Battle of the Bastards. So yeah. anything more he gets to experience, he's uh, like, as far as I'm concerned, it's a bonus. Yeah. This is funny as well because um, in the last episode, John and Sansa have this public argument when they disagree because they haven't yeah. like, worked things out first. And he does it. He's such a showman. He he's such a showman, John. He does it again just to sort of like <laughs> <laughs> to create a bit of drama. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh. Yeah. I thought this whole scene again. I was like, oh man. Like, are they all just sitting around the castle waiting for it to happen? Yeah. Like, that's. I mean, that's an interesting question. There are a lot of lords in the room at the moment, and mm. we just keep going back week after week to see them all sitting there. I want to know where their armies are because there's no yeah. food around. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Also, I, I always enjoy the the guy who basically speaks for the veil, um, that blonde yeah. Jon, who, regardless of any social situation, always got the full plate armor on. It's like <laughs> wears it all the time. <laughs> it's particularly good because of how foolish, like how comical an actor that actor is. He's because yeah. he's the guy from um, Four Weddings and a Funeral yeah. who gets to deliver gets to deliver the immortal line, "Lovely chap, buggered me senseless." Um, <laughs> And I can't not think that when I see him. So yeah, the idea mm-hmm. of him being, you know, impeccably overdressed in any situation is just is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, th- this stuff about John not clearing it with Sansa first does feel a bit sort of needlessly dramatic. But I do suppose there is a benefit to have her publicly disagree with him about this before he leaves, because if he doesn't come back, then she can always say to the rest of the northern the, the northern lords are going to be loyal to her because she took their side. Um, yeah, so that's I suppose the it's truth. a bit of insurance yeah. by doing it a bit, by doing it that way. It is, it is. Although, although this whole scene here, this is why I was I was less than charitable towards Baelish earlier on because I'm just I'm just seeing his little smirky grin on the side of the screen, and I'm like, oh yeah. no, yeah. Oh. You had yeah. to ask last time, didn't you, Matt? What what's going to happen with Peter Baelish now? <laughs> oh, I think we can all see very clearly what's going to happen with Peter Baelish now. <laughs> Curse adventurer, yes. Um, he's going to get increasingly inside Sansa's head and incite her to do something ridiculous, which serves his broader political purposes without, uh, without in any sense doing her any favors at all. Mm. And he's going to end up trying to strike a bargain with the Night's King. <laughs> there if, we go. That's if, what's going to happen. That is bold. It feels. Um, yeah. Yeah, it feels like that he's going to have an influence here because even though Sansa's been shutting him down the last couple of weeks um, and it feels like he's floundering a bit, when John leaves, the first thing Sansa does is like look over to him. Like it's just a glance yeah. and you just think, I think that says quite a lot about the direction that's yeah. probably going to go. Yeah. Um, we then get into the crypts for a little bit. Um, we see the statue of Ned Stark, called Beanie, is there. Um, <laughs> 
and uh, John's taking a look at him, and Littlefinger comes down to have a chat with John. And he, oh, he's glorious. Yeah. Littlefinger's basically saying, yeah, I delivered Ned's bones up here, um, all this, that, and the other. And he says that, you know, I'm, I'm, he basically says, I'm a, I'm a strong ally for you because I love your sister. And John just goes all Ned Stark on him and stick him, yeah. um, puts him up against the wall. Is the same way that Ned did, and the same way that I assume Brandon Stark did two generations ago when all this was going on with um, with Caitlin as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I felt, like, I, felt I, I did feel a little bit sorry for Littlefinger in that he has a he has basically saved this guy's life, and um, yeah. and he, everybody seems to be just shitting on him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because he's yeah, but, a, probably because he's a double crossing slimy like toad, but at the same time, it just feels like he's not got a great deal of credit for riding to the rescue here. Yeah, that I mean that is true. Like he did do that, and I I would feel more sorry for him if I felt like he'd genuinely done that as a sort of last desperate redemptive play, you know, to kind of dig himself out of this pile of self serving bullshit that he's chosen for himself over decades. You know, actually, weirdly enough. Um, if this, if, if Jamie Lannister in that position, because Jamie Lannister's gone on this really interesting journey of being a total bastard who wants to be a nice bloke, um, you know, I really would have felt the pathos there. But with Littlefinger, you're like, he comes down and he starts, cracks out, you know, starts oiling around the place, you know, worm-tonguing his way and doing his thing, you know, he's talking his talk and getting inside somebody's head. And, and you just don't have any faith whatsoever that he's doing it for any reason other than self-serving. So... It does the heart good when John puts him up and up into a wall. Now, I still think that was a really stupid thing for John to do because if there's one thing you don't want to do is piss off Littlefinger and then leave him unsupervised <laughs> because he, he will do something horrendous. Um, particularly when you know there's not a great track record of people in positions of authority leaving Winterfell briefly to perform a necessary task. <laughs> you, you know, they don't ever come back is the situation there. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, I thought it was a great scene, um, but it was also, yeah, it was pretty pretty uh, foolish, I think, behaviour because mm. now Littlefinger's, Littlefinger's got no reason to be nice to Starks and every reason to continue to be manipulative and self-serving towards the Starks, and he will. Yeah, so the one exception is he, he do, I think there is some genuine, I don't know what it is between him and Sansa, but he, he definitely feels something genuine there. I think it's the only time he ever does something that isn't just in his own interest is when it's concerning her. So we well, that, that's true, but I think he does that because it serves his interest. I think his conception of loving somebody is to say that their well-being is his well-being and therefore he will, he will serve them. But let's mm. not forget, you know, that, that formulation may even be too generous to him in that he loved her before, quote, quote, and still sold her out to Ramsay Bolton, mm. you know, sort of, you know, you know, shortlisted bastard of the year in a, in a universe that's designed and scripted to convince you that everybody is a bastard um so you know i think i think he's either i think that's too that's too generous to him i think he's i think even his love for catelyn and for sansa are so so filtered through the fact that he believes the only way to do things is is violence and um and and manipulation mm. that um He's willing even to manipulate and be violent towards the object, the objects of his affection. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not at all convinced. I mean, you've been too nice to him there, man. <laughs> 
Um, the next scene is um, Aya on her way up to Winterfell, and she bumps into an old friend, um, Nymeria, the massive direwolf. Who she, she, yeah. um, who she last saw in episode two of uh, season one on the King's Road. Um, <laughs> Nymeria's back with her pack, comes around, says hello, um, and obviously they recognise each other before the before the wolves tear her apart, which is good news for Aya. And um, yeah, and then Aya says, "Come to Winterfell with me," and Nymeria just leaves. And yeah. Aya says this line, "That's not you." Um, yeah, and it's been interpreted in a number of different ways. This, I mean, the way I th- saw it was um, that you know, Nymeria has basically outgrown her now, and her and she that wolf's more loyal to this pack that she's got than to yeah. th- than to following um, her old her old sort of master anymore. Um, yeah. But but it's also been seen as um, Arya saying that to herself, and now she's going to go down to King's Landing instead. Which way did you read it? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I didn't really know what she meant by that line because I was a little bit blindsided by the fact that I was expecting her to walk into one of these beasts because she's done that in the past, eh? Um, in the books, not in the mm. TV series. Yeah. So I thought this was going to be a big, big warg revelation. And so that line, I kind of just filed it away and thought, uh, I wonder. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I wonder. I mean, it would seem to be consistent with you know, a previous strongly felt family connection, you know, the symbolism of wolves and so on and all the rest of it, and then that's not you, then, yeah, that would seem to imply that she's going to carry on going south. If she does, ye gods, Matt, honestly, when is this girl going to do, you know, like, the? okay, no, fair enough, fair enough, she's taken out the phrase, she has taken out the phrase to her extreme credit, but I'm sorry, that's not enough against... <laughs> six seasons worth of Arya Stark goes for a walk in Westeros. Is she ever going to decide on a destination? You know you know that thing? You know that thing, Matt, about to travel hopefully is better than to arrive? Yeah. That, that saying, you know, I, I personally, I think that's nonsense. <laughs> I think the only, the only reason that travelling means anything is if you have also a destination in hand. Enjoy the journey by all means. But I think Arya Stark is a fantastic demonstration of why that proverb is bollocks. She's because she has been travelling for this entire thing and the whole the whole response to it is and what because because she hasn't you know she stumbled across the phrase and killed them you know that impressive serves some drinks to uh to um tywin lannister you know all right sweet you know has done a number of fairly interesting things but this is this begins to feel like the three episodes that she spent being blind and getting beaten up by a teenager last time mm-hmm. in the last series it's just why are you doing it why just do something yeah, well, I, I, I think she's. I think she's got to carry on up to Winterfell, but we will. We will find yep. out. I assume next week. Yes. Um, yep. We then go to the <laughs> the fleet making its way towards <laughs> Dawn. Um, just, 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 just a quick, a quick, quick cameo from the uh, the Sand Snakes in Hammocks. Just, just nice one to remind us why we really won't mind mind if they if they die anytime soon. Because <laughs> oh my goodness, they're, they're so bad, aren't they? That's whole like yeah. Mama scene in the hammock. Yeah, it's just a bit. Tiresome. Oh, it's um, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's sad because again, I've said this before. Those three individually are great actresses and potentially um, the good, really good characters as well. But uh, yeah, but they just haven't given them anything to do. <laughs> yeah, um, we get a bit of girl on girl sexy time or the start of the, the the beginnings of it between Yara yeah. and um, a certain amount of fanboy sex. trolling here. <laughs> 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 There's a certain amount of fanboy trolling to present them with 
two attractive members of the <laughs> cast who are definitely up for a little bit of lady on lady sexy times yeah. only then to have that instead turn into a battle scene yeah which so- one do you want nerds which yeah. one do you want more <laughs> Poor Theon, as he's um he's he's watching this all go down and just sort of yeah. like standing to the side again, um a mere shadow of his former self, um, and then yeah, so the the this ship gets hit with something, and Yara grabs a sword and goes running up the steps and says to Hilarious and Extramarital Sex, "You stay here," and she runs out onto the deck, and it's all kicking off. Basically, Euron's arrived with his magically created thousand ships. <laughs> Yeah, and it turns into. But let's put that to one side because this is a hell of a, a hell of a like uh, action scene sequence. After that, As, um, it is. Yeah, he comes riding in on the front of this massive sort of pier that he uses to to like to <laughs> land on the ship, and then just starts just starts just causing chaos. <laughs> no, he comes in cackling. I love what an entrance. Honestly, this this actor has clearly been told you are getting three episodes tops. Make the most of them, and he's just tearing. Strips off the scenery and eating it. Glorious. Yeah, Literally yeah. cackles as he lands on top of this cast iron wolf's head or whatever the hell it is that's falling down there. Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. Yeah. I thought this was cut quite strangely in that as he lands, he squashes someone, doesn't he? And um, it's, there's like some, some poor swords underneath it and it lands on him. Um, yeah. But it's sort of, there's a shot of like, Theon and then a close-up of Yara looking up at it and then he comes down and this person gets squashed and I immediately as that happened I thought oh oh shit that was Yara and then the next scene the next like shot is Yara looking surprised like, oh all right <laughs> she's okay and that was just it was a bit of a weird sort of yanking around but I think from what yeah. I can tell not many other people had the problem with that so maybe it's just the way I watched it um, no, no, actually, no. I thought that as well. Actually, that was my, that was my sort of response to it. Was that it was? I mean, it's dark chaos, right? Yeah. Um, but it did feel a bit like the producers going, "Well, we've only got seven episodes this season, so we might as well throw a bit of money at this." <laughs> and and also, you know, we don't have to protect our storylines anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, this is these are two of the major elements that they spent most of the last season setting up. You know, these two different fleets, and. And then it, all of a sudden you're like, oh, uh, all right, yeah. oh, it's over. Here it okay, comes. yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> but yeah, Le- so- leaves Daenerys with a problem now, doesn't she? What she's going to do? Paratroop them all in? Like, how's she well, going to yeah. get all those uh, all those horses across? Yeah, and she's got this massive Dornish army just stuck in Dawn now, I suppose. But um, yeah, but yeah, if we just break down a bit of the a bit of the actual battle, so um, the youngest Sand Snake is running around, and she gets sent down to the. Um, Tends the cabin to to defend um, Elaria's son, extramarital sex, and then <laughs> there's some really nice shots of um, the. There's sort of Euron seems to have these ships that are, that are firing giant fire arrows. They basically look like something that would be fired out of one of those scorpions that Kyburn so pleases himself for inventing. It seems that. Um, it seems that you know Euron might have quite a lot of those already. That's firing, burning projectiles at the ships. It's absolute chaos. Yeah, a little bit slow mo. Um, two of the sand snakes are killed pretty pretty quickly with their own weapons as well. Like the first one yeah. gets speared with her own spear, and then the second one gets choked with her own whip. Yeah. And it is a bit of a shame this that 
they made such a little impression these characters that they just sort of two people you vaguely recognise who Euron can kill to make himself look a bit more like dangerous. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Or, did, or, or am I wrong? Did, did did you feel anything when these two no. got killed? No, and that's and I, I mean again, it's incredibly sad. But we've known for a long time that the Sand Snakes are not going to be given the scripting they deserve for some reason, and I don't really understand why that is. Maybe mm. it's just too much of a challenge to treat them as individuals. Maybe you just, you know, I it, don't know. But it, they wasn't kind of, yeah. like I. I never got on their wavelength. I was never picking up what they were putting down. It's kind of felt like the whole Dawn side of it with them and uh, the dude in the wheelchair was it, uh, Doran Martell. Yeah. All that stuff when Jamie and Brom were running around down there, it felt like it didn't really work when they filmed those bits. And ever since then, they've just thought, let's just get out of this as soon as we can. Um, Give it yeah. up is a bad job. So you very rarely been, see them. You've got to say, though, that that is not because they hired bad actors for it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I will go to the wall to speak up for the actresses that they've got doing. Uh, that they've got doing the Sand Snakes and they've been rubbish. And I will, I, will, I, will, I will go nine rounds with anybody who wants to tell me that Alexander Siddig is not a hero. Deep Space Nine for life. <laughs> but the guy who played Doran was in Star Trek and yeah. I am all about that. <laughs> um, but, um, but it, yeah, it's just been crap. And, you know, that's just sad. Yeah. Sad. Sad. Um, anyway, so, so they're gone. Um Ne- never again will we enjoy the bants that we were just, we were just <laughs> rolling around in not five minutes ago with the uh, the hammocks. Uh, Your mum, yeah. not my mum. Yeah, but my mum also. Yeah, mum's <laughs> eh? Yeah, bants. Yeah. The, the, but but the youngest sand snake's still alive. Um, I don't know what's her. Yeah, but anyway, she's down there with um with hilarious and X X, and um. <laughs> The, she, she 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 defends she she kills a couple of guys who come down to try and capture them, and then they they get overpowered, and Hilarious on next to sex says, "Just kill us," and and this guy who's he's 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 only seen is to shake his head in like a creepy way, and he absolutely nails it. He yeah. does the creepiest little shake of the head. Oh, it's horrible, isn't smile. it? Smile. It's like it's like, well, just kill us, kill you. No, no. <laughs> kill no, no. <laughs> um, so I, I assume I assume they're the prize that Euron's bringing back to uh, King's Landing. Um, yeah, yeah. M- meanwhile, speaking of Euron, he's up on the deck. Um, he sees Yara as the you know when when we saw this um, when I was watching it, uh, Kate was like. This never ha- this would never happen in a battle where like two people just sort of see each other like the two main characters and then they they go at it, but um, Euron sees uh, sees Yara and goes uh, give your own guy a kiss and then like goes after goes after her. They have this fight. Yeah. She gets captured, <laughs> and then time slows down and poor Theon's on the boat and he's actually been fighting as well quite capably. Yeah, um, yeah. But he sort of looks over, and Euron's got got Yara, and he challenges him, and Theon yeah. runs away, jumps overboard. <sighs> oh, Theon! Can't blame him to be honest. He he was getting killed there, surely. Yeah, if no, absolutely. And and he's and it's interesting that what he's found about himself is, if nothing else, he has found that um, he wants. He can't not look after himself. 
And I suppose that's what cowardice looks like in that type of situation. Um, mm. But also, that, like you say, he was pretty good at, at fighting when it wasn't this thing that was made about his character, when it was just fight, 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 kill, kill, kill. But yeah. the moment somebody he's related to and who he's been conditioned to try and uh, try and respect or, or, or live up to or sort of worry about mm. comes in and makes it about him and challenges him in that way. Um, goes to pieces. He can't do it. He's just incapable of, of that, of essaying that moment of conflict. You yeah. know what I mean? And that um, that mad laugh that Euron does when he sees him jump overboard, it, I thought was really yeah. great. It was like, oh, God, oh, bloody really hell, creepy. yeah, 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 absolutely. Th- this 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 uh, this jumping overboard has caused a lot of like debate online about you know whether it's Theon's fault, whether he's just you know um, this is just what post traumatic stress looks like and this is what happens when you're so damaged by an experience of course he's not yeah. gonna, he's not going to fight my favorite one was this guy just tweeted in Theon's defense and he just put one line just put Theon made a business decision and that was it, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and there ladies and gentlemen in a single tweet you have the downfall of western civilization <laughs> i love that that's made incredible. A business, made a business decision. <laughs> um, Deary me. So, so we so we end the episode with Theon floating, like holding onto a bit of debris, looking up at the uh, the two sand snakes who've been basically lashed to the prow of the boat. Oh, was that what that was? Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Oh, jeez. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> thought that. I'll tell was you what, if you're going to fight anyone and lose, don't make it the Ironborn. Eh? Yeah, a lot of people thought the the woman hanging was Yara, um, but not the case apparently. Um, uh, right. I so yeah, she she's uh, she's narrowly avoided death twice though because I thought she got squashed yeah. and then got hung, but no, she's yeah. still she's still alive. I suppose for now, I don't know what. Yeah. I can't imagine. It's hard to see a way out for any of those court characters. It feels like this entire line yeah. of characters are, uh, may well end up with a line through them now. Yeah, which is, yeah, I, I I mean I can't see how it's not that to be honest. One thing I had from um, a bit of feedback from uh, Oliver was. Do you th- may as well bring this in now? Do you think Bronn is going to save that youngest Sun Snake because they had a bit of a thing down in Dawn? Oh, uh, there's a thing. Well, I mean, obviously we've no idea where genial Jerome Flynn where he's gone. Um, yeah, parts and uh, he, he's not been in it yeah. for ages, has he, Bronn? Don't know. No, I mean the last thing we saw Bronn do was training Jamie to fight with his left hand, wasn't it? Uh, no, they, well, they both went out. To, I think the last thing we saw him do was go down to Dawn. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, right, you are. But that was no, like two I, I don't know. Ago. That's yeah, and that's an interesting possibility. You know, given that little narrative thread, you know, mm. quite possibly that's what's going to happen. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. The the um, the, I mean, that whole this whole scene felt a bit weird to me because it wasn't one of these big tension points that's been built up to. It was it, it was an absolute surprise, and. Mm. It's an absolute surprise because it, it kind of ruins Daenerys' invasion plan. Like I say, like she's going to yeah. have to carry one horse over at a time in the talons of a dragon. Surely <laughs> not a workable plan. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it does. It makes it more interesting from that perspective. Um, but it did feel a bit... I think because this whole Ironborn storyline in the, in the TV series has been a bit underbaked, mm. you know, starting with where does he get a thousand ships from. Yeah. Um, 
that actually I kind of I kind of don't believe that they're really there, or I'm just not responding to them as if they're really a threat. You know, you can you know put a scenery to an actor in that role as much as you like. I just don't respond to it mm. in in that kind of way. So I don't really know what's going to happen here. Like you, I feel a bit like okay, so you're cleaning up you're cleaning up storylines. Fair enough. Mm. Um, but if that's the case, I will say this: I would far prefer them to have put less money into this and to have done way back in the day the fist of the first men properly oh yeah well whenever i see an underwhelming sorry i was gonna say maybe they just didn't have the budget at that time because only series like yeah. two or something wasn't it yeah no i fair enough i realize that that's that's supremely unrealistic fanboyish thing to say and fair enough Would have been but great, they, 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 <laughs> yeah but there is like on a, on a deeper more fundamentally childish level in me there is whenever i see somebody <laughs> whenever i see an underwhelming battle scene in game of thrones i'm like and it could have been the fist of the first men it could have been you know yeah yeah it's such a great yeah. scene in the book that as well isn't it it is um, yeah it's fantastic so yeah. and that's that's what i mean you know bad uh, bad week for Tyrion. um coming up with the uh, the big plan managing to get it through despite everybody disagreeing with him and then um it going absolutely to pot mm. i mean daenerys is now just a foreign invading force isn't she because yeah. I assume she can't get the Dornish out of Dawn because there's no ships anymore. Um, yeah. And she's lost, I think, the, the army that the Tyrells were going to bring. So it's just it's just her and a foreign army now, I think. Yeah, um, which is, I mean, which I suppose is needed because you've weakened Cersei to the, to such an extent that you kind of need there to be some yeah. reason for houses you've never heard of or care about to line up alongside Cersei mm. again. Yeah. Um, which, again, is why... Is why she now needs John more than John needs. Well, John needs her, and she needs John exactly the same amount. Mm, yeah, um, and that's an interesting one. Yeah, leaves things nicely poised for next week. Certainly does. So um, we shall. Uh, we should have said this at the start, but um, if you want to get involved in the podcast, sharklyrollpodcast at gmail dot com is the email address. Sharklyrollpodcast at gmail dot com. We're also on Twitter at sharklyrollpodcast, and excitingly, Facebook as well. It's happened. Yes. We're on yes. Um, yes. So just, just search for us on Facebook and give the page a like. Um, but that's pretty much all, all I've got for this week, unless there's anything else that you want to add, Dave. No, no, no. Just to say, a little bit less of a, uh, a high point than last week, I would say. But still, you know, I'm, I'm on for the ride. I'm enjoying it. Looking forward to seeing what happens next. Yeah. Until then. Till then. Bye-bye. Lovely stuff.